John 21. Just another quick announcement while you're looking in your Bible there. Um, tomorrow we're going to be working on putting in some boxes for sound in the stage. And if you're able or willing to help with that, um, beginning approximately about 8.30, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, and you can come in and if you want to help us with that, you're welcome to. Also with some soldering. If you're not a solder, it'd be something that you'd be able to help with. Um, that would be great to help us with that. We're going to be looking at some of the logistics this tomorrow also on making some planning as far as where we're going to be putting the trim boards. Um, and um, I've got the dumpster on order. It's going to be here um, the Wednesday after Mother's Day. So it'll be the Wednesday after the 8th of May. And that night will be a work night. The following uh, Wednesday will be a work night as well. And so we're going to be ripping off all of the um, carpet on the walls, taking off all the trim, numbering it, taking all the nails out. Um, a lot of things that people could help with. If you're it doesn't have to all be heavy work. Things that if you're willing to use a, a uh, hammer and a, a um, get some make, uh, take nails out, you could help with that. Um, in carrying boards, um, helping to pull off the carpet, and we're probably gonna, we're going to try to take it out this door. The dumpster's going to be right out here, and so. Um, but just want to ask if you're willing to help. Um, tomorrow we'll be working, and then also the, the two Wednesday nights after uh, Mother's Day. And so if you make plans to help us with that, that'd be great. We've got it scheduled for them to come in and to put the carpet on the walls um, that, that following um, week after that. Um, and so um, it's going to happen before the end of the May. We'll have all the walls done. And uh, right now we're trying to get scheduled right after that. As long as the, the installer can do it, we'll be doing the floor then directly after that. So my prayer is by the middle of June we'll have this room uh, done except for the expansion part. And that's something, if we get a lot of people, if we can get a lot of help helping with this, we'll, we'll talk about possibly even opening up that wall back there. Um, but to do that, first work night, we've got to get that room cleaned out. That's where people can help. Ladies can help with that. Um, we want to try to get that reorganized, get that brought down so that we have the ability to be able to then take that wall out and uh, reposition that. So um, looking for uh, any help that you, if you have uh, physical help, if you've got mental help, if you've got some ideas, I'd love to tap into that as well. Because my mental powers aren't always the greatest, and so I love getting input. And I've had a lot, we've had a lot of inputs thus far, and it's helped tremendously. And so I praise the Lord for that. All right, let's look here in John chapter 21. Look if you were to verse number 15. John 21 verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege to be able to open and learn and grow. And I pray that our faith would increase tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us tonight with this message. Lord, I pray that it might also challenge our hearts, uh, perhaps, Lord, uh, to get back up. And, Lord, to continue to serve. Lord, to be faithful. Lord, that we would love you. Love you more than anything in this world. 
Lord, speak to our hearts. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to continue. We've been looking at portraits of grace, God's grace in the Bible, looking at different men and women in the Bible. And tonight I want to look at Peter. I love Peter. Peter's a great, um, uh, a great illustration of uh, many of us in our life, in our Christian life, things that we face, the challenges we go through. And I say illustration. I'm talking about the, the negatives, not all the positives. You think about a lot of positives about Peter, and yet I can identify with some of the things. When Peter there, he's looking at the, the storm that's raging, and they're in the boat, and they're wondering whether Jesus uh, is going to save them or not, and whether, whether or not they're going to be protected or not. And then Jesus comes, and at first they're afraid, and then he gets his eyes on Jesus, and he steps out of the boat, walks on water, until he sees the storm around him. I've been in places like that in my life where my faith was strong, was trusting the Lord, I stepped out by faith, trusting in God, and then you get your eyes off the Lord. What happens when you get your eyes off the Lord? You sink. We end up getting our eyes on things of this world instead of keeping our eyes on the Lord, where our faith should be at. And there's a lot of, a lot of wonderful pictures of, of Peter. I, I love the, 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 the Peter, his... Um, demeanor, his, the way that he responded to things. He was always the one that was ready to go, gung-ho, let's do this. Sometimes that got him in trouble. We talked about that, remember, there in the Garden of Gethsemane and how Jesus was betrayed. And, and uh, what, did, what did Peter try to do when the soldiers came? Is a young person here tonight. What did, Peter, what did Peter try to do when the soldiers came to try to arrest Jesus? Does anybody remember what Peter did? Kids? Anybody? Yes. Yeah, he took his sword out, cut off that ear. I mean, he was all gung-ho. You think, here's man, here's a man that's going to go right to the death with, with Jesus. And yet we know the rest of the story. At that time, Peter didn't know the rest of the story. Of course, Christ had already told him the rest of the story, but Peter denied that he was going to deny him. I guess there's a connection there in the words. Yeah, I would never deny you. No matter what happens, I'm going to die for you. I'll do whatever. You ever made a promise to God like that? Have you kept every promise you've made to God? I don't think any one of us here could say yes to that. We get excited about serving the Lord, and we ought to. We get enthused about wanting to do great things for God, and we ought to. And there's times when we get our eyes off the Lord, or there's times when we get through the discouragement or challenge that we face, and we end up seeing that, that our faith is weak and we end up falling, just as Peter did. And so it's just an amazing thing we see here as we think about God's grace. And tonight as we look at Peter, I want to talk about grace for a second chance. Grace for a, a second chance. You know, here we, after, we, after we've read this, we, we have to put it in perspective of what's going on, the time frame. And I think most of us know, but we have to remember the most defining moment in human history had just occurred. Jesus Christ had died on Calvary's cross. He paid our sin debt. Jesus Christ didn't stay dead, though. He rose again the third day. He, he was our resurrected Savior. He had conquered death. And just as he had promised, to everywhere people were rejoicing because Christ had said he was going to, to raise from the dead, and he did, and Christians were rejoicing. Everybody's rejoicing except for Peter. Peter's not rejoicing. On the night of Jesus' death, he had denied Christ. Now he's wallowing in the shame of his failure, and he returned to his old vocation of fishing. You remember he said, I go a-fishing. <laughs> and can you imagine he's just sitting in that boat? Do you think he was probably thinking about what he had done? 
thinking about the time that he had served with Christ, the time that he'd seen the miracles, the time that he heard Jesus preach, the time that he had seen the feeding of the 5,000, the time that he'd seen the, the healing of the, the, lepers, the lepers. And I mean, you, you just go right down. He's thinking about all these things, but you know, I think he probably was thinking a lot about what he had done recently too, how he had denied the Lord, feeling pretty bad about it. I can imagine he probably was pretty heavy in his heart about it, thinking about what he had done. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, the Bible says, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. He probably remembered that moment. He's talking about Jesus being led to Caiaphas' house, the high priest, and he's going to be tried there. They're going to make a false accusation against him. Not true. He's going to be put through all kinds of mistreatment and torture. And you can go to today and you, they, they have where they find where Caiaphas' house is at and you can see whether there's a place, there's a holding place under that house like a dungeon. Many believe that's exactly where Jesus was that night and they threw him down in there in just a terrible situation. But here, they, they, there he was. They saw him being brought up there and, and at that moment, Peter followed him, followed him from afar off and, and, and so Peter... He chose to keep his distance. You know, like Peter, we oftentimes do the same thing. And it happens oftentimes after failure or the fact that we've regretted that we've done something we shouldn't have done. We've all failed. We've all done things we regret that we've done. You know, those small things at times, it seems, starts out that way. A small decision to make, a small decision to decide that you're going to pull away from what is doing right. And when I say that, it could, it could be a lot of different things. It could be a, a small decision to not read your Bible the way you should, to not pray the way that you should. The small decision, and I say small because it starts small. It doesn't happen all at once. All of a sudden, we're denying Christ. It starts with making small decisions like, I'm not going to be faithful to church and start pulling away. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in so many people's lives. And it all starts with a small decision, and it builds, and it grows. And, and what happens is the devil then tries to step in and tries to point the finger of how terrible you are because of what you've done. And many times, if we're not careful, we begin following the Lord far off, just like Peter did. And Peter's distance from the Lord led him to deny the Lord. I truly believe that. In Luke chapter 20, verses 60 through 62, it says there, and Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That moment that Peter denied the Lord for the third time, the cock crew, and Jesus turned and looked upon Peter. Can you imagine the look? Remembering the eyes? remembering how you had said, I'm not going to deny you. I, I won't deny you, Lord. I'll die for you. And yet that third time to have the, the eyes of the Lord look back at him, knowing exactly what he had said and knowing exactly what you did. In that moment, there was such an emotion, I believe, an oppressive weight of guilt and shame. I really believe it, it probably filled his heart. You know, as we read in our passage in John 21, the events of Jesus' crucifixion and Peter's denial had happened a few nights before, prior to that. Looking back on it now. And now Peter had returned to his comfort zone as a fisherman, depressed and backslidden. 
you relate to Peter? You might say, well, I'm not that way right now. Have you ever been in that place? Following Jesus afar off? The relationship's not what it used to be. The decision that you made, it started with simple things, the choices that you made, and before you know it, it seems like your prayer life is empty. You open the Word of God, and God doesn't speak to you like He once did, if you open the Word of God. It's hard to go to church because you were ashamed of the fact that you weren't there the previous three times. Now, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but what I'm saying is that those things, those things happen just by one decision, making a decision and making it simple, and a simple step of stepping and saying that, that, that this is not as important as it used to be and making those decisions. And before you know it, sometimes it's making that small step and those little steps all add up, and then all of us, before you know it, it's a big step, and that big step is something that you, you, you end up feeling such guilt from. I can relate to Peter. There's times in my life when there's something that I've done, a thought, said, I felt guilt. We've all been there. But as Peter would soon learn, God delights in giving abundant grace and second chances. God is a God of second chances. God wants for us to come back. God wants for us to get back up. God wants to give us grace for a second chance. You know, even in the morning of the resurrection, we see this. When the women, they went to the garden and there to see Jesus, the angel told them that he had risen. If you remember, they specifically said, let Peter know. In Mark 16, 7, it says, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. He's saying, go tell the disciples, but he specifically named there and Peter. And Peter. Why did he say that? Why did he specifically? I, I truly believe it reveals to us that not only does Jesus want to see Peter, but that he wanted Peter to know that he still loved him. He wanted Peter to know that he still believed in him. He still loved him. He still wanted that relationship with him. He still wanted for Peter to serve him. You see, the Lord refused to give up on him. Second chances. Are you willing to give a person a second chance? You know, sometimes it's hard for us to give second chances. That's one of the things I, I have to struggle with. It, I, I, when somebody stings you, does something to you, I'm not going to trust them again. Am I the only one that struggles with that? Hmm. Oftentimes we do, but it's, sometimes it's a real struggle. Second chances, I, I think of a story... Huh. A lady that once accidentally called the wrong number and got the following message on the voicemail. It said this, I am not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I'm making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I don't return your call, you are one of those changes. Wow. Some of you are like, oh, i got to write that. That's a good one. I want to... Man, giving second chances is hard because we naturally... All we care about is self-protection, self-preservation. We don't want to get hurt again. We don't, want to, we don't want that person to drop the ball again. But you know, Jesus, he teaches us that part of loving others requires being vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable. If you put yourself up into a place of never being vulnerable, how can you reach the people in this world that God wants you to reach? 
How can you show the love? How can you take that step of faith? You have to be vulnerable. The Lord wants us to be vulnerable. Yet even when we are hurt, grace keeps on forgiving. We need to understand that. Even when somebody hurts us, the grace that God has bestowed to us, the grace that God gives to us, causes us or should allow us to continue to forgive. And Jesus is a great example of this, our perfect example, demonstrating that he relentlessly pursued Peter. So I want to look at it tonight. I want to begin in, in talking about this. And I want you to notice the first thing tonight as we, we think about this, this whole story, what's going on, what's happening here, is the pursuit uh, that we see that, that Christ had for Peter. The number one thing. And, and perhaps the humblest yet one of the most profound truths in the Bible is summed up in the first Christian song that many of us learned when we were kids. And it's this song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Do you believe that tonight? He loves you unconditionally. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what failure you've been involved with, God still loves you. And I say that we've got to start with that because we need to understand that God loves us as much today as he did yesterday, as he did the day before, as he did the, the day you got saved. By the way, that was the first pursuit of God's love in your life when he pursued you to salvation. You realize it was God that pursued you? Because he loved you? He pursued after you. His love for you pursued after you. But you know that pursuit didn't end the day you got saved. It continues. And daily, God is pursuing after you. He wants to have that love relationship with you. He loves you more than you can even comprehend. And by the way, when you talk about forgiveness and when you talk about sin, God wants to forgive you more than you want forgiveness. Because he loves you that much. He wants to have that relationship with you. We see it here, this beautiful picture of this pursuit of Christ for Peter. You know, the background of where our passage begins is that Peter and some of the other disciples had been fishing all night. They hadn't caught any fish. In the morning, a stranger called to them from the shore asking them if they'd caught anything. Of course, he already knew. And so they said, no, I haven't caught anything. And what does what is what is, what is, uh, the stranger tell the fishermen to do? Does anybody remember? What does he tell them to do? Yeah, put it on their side of the boat. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? This has happened before. Put it on the other side. They put it on the other side. What happens? Their nets are full. Overwhelming. At that moment, they realize it comes to them. They, this isn't just a stranger that's there calling out to them. John's the one that acknowledges it first. He, this is Jesus. And Peter realizes now who it is. He can't hardly wait to see him. He jumps out of the water and runs up to the shore to see him. What a beautiful story we see there. And the conversation that follows, it gives us one of the sharpest portraits of God's grace that you'll ever find. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace. We see a personal pursuit, first of all. There are many things that Jesus could have said to Peter during that meeting. I mean, what had Peter, had, what had Peter just done? He denied him? What did Peter just do? He denied him? I mean, he, he, not only did he deny him, but he says, I'm going to go back fishing. He went back to fishing, going back to the old life, went back before he had met Christ, went back to doing what he was used to, what he was accustomed to, what he, was, what he liked to do, humanly speaking, we're talking about now. You might say he was backslidden. Let me say this real quick. If you choose to backslide and you go back to what you were before, you're going to drag people with you. It will impact other people. 
disciples, they went with him. Many of them followed. And they went, okay, let's go with him. Dad, if you make that decision, it's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your kids. We need to understand that it, it's not just a personal decision. It impacts people that are around us when you make that decision to go back. But here he is. He goes back. And Jesus, he could have given up on Peter. Jesus could have put his finger in his face and, why did you deny me? Now put yourself in Jesus' place. The person that you've been with that said they loved you, the person that was following you, denies you three times? What would you say to him? Why did you do that to me? You're not a friend to me. I don't want nothing to do with you. Jesus could have done that. He could have waited for Peter to come to him first. He could have waited until Peter got everything straightened out and begged for forgiveness. Not the Lord. He reached out to Peter. He knew that Peter, he knew that Peter was human. He knew that Peter was a sinner. He knew that his faith was frail. He reached out to him. In fact, as we have seen, this pursuit began even before their meeting on the shore when the angel told the ladies in the garden to specifically let Peter know that he was alive. Later, Christ also specifically appeared to Peter. We see that in Luke 24, 34, where it says, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 5, it says, And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Specifically, seen, Peter saw him, himself, personally. Shortly after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples, except for Thomas, including Peter. You remember John 20. Go ahead and turn there. You're close to it. Look at John chapter 20. Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, before the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Here we see that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, revealed himself there specifically. Peter was there, we know that. And later in, in, uh, in John 20, verses 24 through 29, Jesus would again appear to all the disciples. We see it again. They had just lived through some of the most harrowing days of their life. They had just been through difficult times. You, you know, if they were in that upper room, they were afraid. You can imagine, they were thinking, man, are we going to be next? Are they going to come and crucify us? Are we going to be put to death? They're fearful. They're discouraged. They needed peace. They needed reassurance. That's what they needed. And like the disciples, you know what? We struggle with fear and discouragement too. You're lying if you say anything different than that. There are times that we struggle with fear. There are times that we struggle with discouragement. There are times that we struggle with uh, defeat because we've done something we know we should not have done. But you know what? That never stops Jesus from pursuing us. He still loves you. He's still pursuing you. He still wants that close relationship with you. He still will never leave you nor forsake you. He still has grace to forgive. He still wants you as part of his ministry, as part of his kingdom, as part of his life, you might say. 
Jesus pursues us. I'm thankful that, that he does. You, you remember how, talking about salvation once again, remember how he pursued after Zacchaeus? You remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He went up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And what happened next? The Lord that day, how's it go? Help me out. Looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, let's hear it guys. You come down for I'm going to your house today. He pursued Zacchaeus. He wanted for Zacchaeus to be saved, even though Zacchaeus was a really bad sinner. By the way, there's no depths of sin that changes as far as whether or not you're going to hell or not, because sin is sin. Zacchaeus was a sinner, and I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. And I'm so thankful that God pursued me. God pursued us at salvation. Remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? Remember how that Jesus specifically went out of his way? He went to Samaria. That would, that would have been so far contrary to the custom of the day, to the religious practice of the day, to what the people would have said. And you, going through Samaria would have been, a, I mean, for a Jew, but especially a rabbi, a teacher, a, a person that was supposed to be a leader, never should have gone to Samaria. Through Samaria, but he went specifically to her and offered her living water. God is always seeking for sinners to come to repentance. In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Was lost. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? I praise the Lord that he sought me. He came after me. He pursued me personally because of his love for us personally. Yes, it says, For God so loved the world. That's everybody. I understand that. God gave his Son for all of us, but God pursues us personally individually. God knows you by name. He loves you. Have you trusted in him as your Savior? You say, yes, I know I'm saved. Maybe you've grown distant, though. Maybe you need to run back to him. Don't forget you're his child. Don't forget that he wants fellowship with you. Don't forget that he is pursuing you. The devil wants you to, to believe the lie when you fall. Now you might hear tonight say, I'm not in that position. You know what? One day you'll find yourself there. You will. Hey, if it could happen to Peter, and I, like I said earlier, he's one of my heroes of the faith. If it could happen to Peter, you mark it down, it could happen to you. If things can happen in your life and you could do something you never thought you would possibly do. And a lot of times you get there because of the small steps like I talked about earlier. Or sometimes you're in the position where this big choice comes and you make the wrong decision. It can happen. It happened to many of people of faith. You see it and look at David. My goodness. A man after God's own heart. The devil wants to try to get you convinced at that time you don't deserve forgiveness, that you don't deserve God's love. And no, we don't. But God loves us so much that God is so gracious to us. God's grace, it's an amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You understand, it's God's grace and God, He wants for you to come back. God wants you to have that right relationship. God wants there to be nothing between you and Him. It doesn't matter if you've fallen many times. We all have. Get back up. The Bible says that's who's wise. Get back up. Don't stay down. 
we see that Jesus was persistent in his pursuit as well. Look at the exchange between Peter and Jesus. You get a glimpse of the, the power of restoration. I mean, throughout the story, Jesus reveals his persistence in pursuing us even when we failed. As we see in our text, Jesus, he asked Peter three times. He says, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And just as Peter denied three times, Christ asked that question three times. And when Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these, that word there, more, in our text, it, it means with superiority or with more excellence. Do you love me more than this? You see, Jesus, he wanted Peter to tell him if his love for the Lord was greater than his love for the old life, his love for his career, his love for that fishing, going back. You know, we too should ask ourselves, do I love the Lord like I should? Why don't you ask yourself that tonight? Do I love the Lord the way I should? Do I love him more than my career? Do I love him more than money? Do I love him more than things of this world? Do I love him as I should? Is my love for him as passionate as it used to be? Was there a time in your life that you're more in love with the Lord than you are right now? If so, why? It's changed. Does, does he love you any less? See, Jesus, he wanted to know what Peter's value what he valued in his life the most. What was valuable to him? What does he value? And if Peter loved him more than his former life or even his security for the future, that's what he's wanting to see. He's wanting for Peter to see that. You know what? It's not just Peter to see that. It's for us to look at this and learn from it as well. What do we love? We all face the challenge of this. I'm not allowing anything other than the Lord to take first place in our life. That's who we love. What we really love is what's first place in our life, what's, what's motivating us, what we're living for. See, the truth is we can't serve two masters. Christ has to come first in our affections, or he's not at all. He has to come first. You can't serve two masters. We, you know the verse, Luke 16, 13. It says, no servant can serve two masters, for he, that he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So what's your options? Help me out tonight. Let's talk about this for a moment. What are the options? I can love the things of this world and yet still love God. Is that an option? No. So what is the options? What is it? Love the Lord or don't love the Lord. Those are the options. Either I love the Lord or I don't love the Lord. Now, the good thing is he always loves us, but we have to make a decision what we're going to do. Am I going to love him? I can't have it both ways. You can't have it. You either got to love him or you, you can't. You don't love him. It says it right here, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. You know, it's easy to let our desire for income, our desire for a better job, our desire for, I mean, that nicer car, house, whatever you want to fill in the blank for. Our desires for the things, this maybe the dream for the future that we have. Uh, it's easy for us to allow those, any other competing affection, overwhelm our love for the Savior. Become first in our life. 
Nothing is worth replacing the devotion you should give to Christ. Nothing should come close to our love and devotion for Christ. Nothing should. We have to determine that. We have to make a decision, a choice. We have to determine that nothing, not your old life, not your old ways, not your old ambitions, nothing will matter more to you than your relationship with Christ. And if it does, something's wrong. And that loving Christ, it's part of the discipleship process. It requires counting the cost and following Jesus. We see Christ spoke of it again and again. But as we look back at our story, Jesus and Peter's conversation went much deeper than just a question. Jesus knew huh, that Peter had to be proven. He's going to challenge him now. And I want you to notice the proving of Peter. And we'll talk about this just a little bit. I want you to notice by asking Peter if he loved him, Jesus was probing Peter's heart. He's wanting to probe him. He's wanting to challenge him. And that's what I believe this message tonight ought to be doing to our heart, probing our heart, getting us to see the truth, allowing us to see really where we're at. You see, Peter did love the Lord, but it wasn't the sacrificial love that the Lord desired. He did love him, but it wasn't the kind of love that the Lord was looking for. And we see here approving of his love. When Jesus, he asked Peter if he loved him, he used the Greek word agape, meaning an unconditional, selfless love. It's a godly love. Unconditional, selfless. That's the word that he used when he said, do you love me? He said, do you agape? Do you love me with agape love? And we see that Peter, when he responded, he used the word phileo love. Phileo, it means approval or friendship. Friendship, brotherly love. While Jesus was asking if Peter loved him with the utmost love, the highest form of love, Peter is replying by basically answering, yes, Lord, I love you like a friend. That's how I love you. You know, sometimes this is how relationships seem to go. What once was agape love has diminished to phileo love. But Jesus wanted more. He wanted more than just a friendship love, more than just a brotherly love. He wanted agape love. You know, the world is full of self-serving love. A self-serving love is a love that is loyal as long as there's a personal benefit attached with it. I'll love you as long as I get something in return. The world's filled with that. It's all around us. We see it. We know it's true. I mean, we, we see it in relationships. I read a, a funny story. It says, Dear Johnny, this is a girl that had broken off her engagement. She wrote this letter to apologize for it. She said, Dear Johnny, no words could express my unhappiness since I broke off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'll love you always, Jane. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> mm. God, man, I sure love you. For all the benefits you give me. Things are going well. Boy, look at the blessings you've given to me. All this wonderful things you've given to me. I love you, God. We start getting focused on the things instead of who gave us the things. We start getting focused on the, the calling in life and the goals of what we're looking for instead of the, the calling that God has placed in our life. We start looking at the objectives of life. 
we start getting overwhelmed and, and, and mixed in all the things of life and we start getting our eyes off. And, oh, I love you, Lord. I, I, I'm too busy, though, to, to spend any time with you today, Lord. I, I love you, though. I'm, I'm too busy to pray. Lord I, Lord, I love you, but these other things, you just, boy, I just can't seem to put my time right. You see, we tend to love when everything is going well. That's not the kind of love that God's looking for. With Jesus, he was asking Peter for a much deeper love. I want you to think back in Jesus' triumphant entry. As he comes into Jerusalem, people are singing praises to the Lord. They're welcoming the Messiah. And they're giving him a welcome of a king. Peter had no reservation about claiming devotion to Christ then. I'm sure he was there with the crowd, and yeah, this is the Messiah, and all excited about it. He, he, that, look, and I'm with him. Ha, I'm with him. As everybody is worshiping him and lifting up the palms and putting it down before him and all the, the, all the positive things that are happening. No reservation. But when the crowd mocked Jesus, Peter did not remain. That's when he began denying. You see, we need to strive for an agape love for Christ that remains strong regardless of what he allows in our lives. Remains strong. I want you to look, if you would, on the screen there, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Notice what it says. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And tonight, the challenge is this. Do you love God? Do we love Him? Maybe there's a time in your life when your love was stronger than it is now. And I'm asking you to fall back in love with Him. I'm asking you to put Him first. I'm asking you to realize He's never stopped loving you. Maybe you're tonight, you do love the Lord, and you've allowed things to happen. There's things in your life, and you feel there's guilt that comes when you think about your relationship because of the lack of love, because of the lack of whatever it is. God is a God of second chances, and I'm, in, I'm just inviting you tonight, encouraging you, come back to the Lord. He's never left you. He loves you. He wants that intimate, close relationship with you. And you've got to make a decision what you're going to love. Love Him back. We love Him because He first loved us. He did so much for us. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for salvation. Demonstrating your love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, I thank you.